0: Amen, John. Well, somebody say amen. Amen. Woo, yeah. Thank you, Music Ministry, for blessing us all morning long. What a good, good, good day this is. Take your Bible, go to Psalm 91. We've been preaching for this uh, four weeks out of the 91st Psalm. We come to conclude it today, verses 14. 16. John's already quoted these verses earlier. Maybe you noticed it. You'll see them again as we come to the conclusion of Moses' 91st Psalm. And out of his heart, out of his mouth, out of his pen, we learn about receiving the keys to God's blessings. Amen. So let's stand together and we will read out loud all together In unison, the same words at the same time. Don't run off and leave everybody else. So we'll read together. Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1, you follow along with me, and let's read together, and let's read together now. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. When you get down to verse number 14, you move to first person. Moses has been speaking, but now the Lord himself begins to speak through the pen. God gives us seven promises, I will, I will, I will, I will, and he gives us those found there in those verses. we want to unpack those and look at them today in a message entitled, Three Keys to Receiving the Promises of God. Father, I ask now that you would come, honor the reading of your word, drive it to our soul, seal it within our heart. And Lord, help us that we might take it to our hands, our feet, our eyes, and our tongue, and that we would live out the promises that you've made to us. Bless those who watch online, those in this room. Save, change, and encourage, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and be seated, please. For one to preach privileges without specifying to whom they belong is like a man mailing a letter without putting an address on it. If you take and write the letter and put it in an envelope, put it in a mailbox, it's not going anywhere unless you've got an address and a stamp on it. Well, we find these seven promises, but who are they for? And how? do we receive them? Well, here Moses is telling us that these are the promises of Almighty God, and he's going to tell us how that we can appropriate them into our own life, how we can receive them and make them ours. I want us to look quickly at these seven promises and then look at the three keys for receiving and making these our very own. Let's look, first of all, very quickly by way of introduction, at these seven promises. I give these to you. It's a 10-point message, but just relax. Uh, the first seven are just bang, 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 and we want to see those, and then we'll appropriate them with the three keys found in this text. What are the seven promises? Here they are. Number one, beginning in verse 14, God says, I will deliver him. Well, God did that for Moses. He delivered him right out of Egypt. They had had the Passover. He told them to kill the Paschal Lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. Pack your bags, have your shoes on, and don't put on your night clothes, but have on your traveling clothes. Before daylight, we're getting out of Dodge. And they left because the Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 41, And at the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Moses was leading them, and he delivered the people of God out. Of bondage, I will deliver you. Some of you are in bondage today, and I'm here to tell you God will deliver you. Secondly, he says, I will set him securely on high. When God does his work in our heart, he sets us on high and he sets us securely there. Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 6 and it says and he raised us up with him and he seated us with him, that is with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When God saves you he sets you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He sets you securely on high. You can never lose your salvation. Nobody can come steal your salvation. You are Christ and Christ alone because you are in him and he sets you securely on high. Number three, God says not only will I deliver him, and will I set him securely on high. The third promise is, I will answer him. Notice it in verse 15 when he calls, I will answer him. We find Moses praying many times throughout the book of Exodus, but two places that he prays is Exodus. Chapter 33 verses 13, and then again in verse 18. Notice in verse 13, now therefore I pray you, Moses is saying, if i found favor in your sight, let me know. No, let me know what? Your ways. Moses says, first of all, God, tell me and show me the ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Show me your ways. But he didn't stop there. He went on to verse 18, and Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Let me tell you, friends of God, this is a great way to pray. Father, show me your ways, show me your glory. Show me your glory, show me your ways. Show me, Father, what is your way, and I will walk in it, and show me your glory, and I will give it unto you. I will answer him and show him my ways and my glory. Number 4, he says, and I will be with him in trouble. There in verse 15. I'll be with him in trouble. My Lord Moses had trouble. He left out of there with a million baptist. Headed into the wilderness. And all they did was belly ache and complain and grumble and complain and grumble. Lord, you brought us out here in the wilderness. We ain't got any water to drink. We could have died without being thirsty back in Egypt. Moses brought water out of a rock. What'd they do? They complained some more. Belly aching, complain. Then I looked around and said, where's the preacher? Oh, he's gone off up there to the mountain to talk to God. God's going to write the Ten Commandments on a tablet, but it takes a little while. He's up there. Where is he? We don't have time. Why? you got 40 years. What do you, what's the problem? Well, when's he coming? When's he going to get down here, Aaron? Where is he? The Bible says they took all their golden necklaces and rings, emlets, melted them down and fashioned a golden calf and started dancing around it and worshiping a golden calf. And Moses finally came down off the mountain. He threw down the tablets and broke them. He said, what do I see here? Aaron said, Moses, I, I don't know what happened. He said, all the people took off their gold and they threw it in the fire and his calf jumped out. That's what he said. Moses went back up the mountain and got the... Let me tell you, friend, we live in a day of trouble. If you're not in trouble, you're going to be. Can I just say to you, this has been as troublesome a week as I've ever had in my life. My soul's been sour these seven days. I never had so many complaining Baptists in all my life. You can't do right. I've been cussed and told to go to hell this week. It's the church folks. It doesn't matter what you do. I've had people say, I'm leaving the church because you didn't do enough. Same thing, I've had people say, I- I'm leaving, I'm going because you did too much. You opened up the doors, you opened up the open The way you should have opened them, why you should have gotten up and preached about it? It doesn't matter. You can't can't make Baptists happy. That's not the goal. But I just, I'd had enough. I had me a pity party this week. I mean, I had a big pity party. Saturday morning, I had a big pity party. Did you see the first first line in that song y'all did a while ago? Talks about the trouble of my ways. I said, they're singing this for the preacher today. So I just sat down and got me a big brand muffin. Two scrambled eggs. Put me some candles on that muffin. I had me a pity party. I just told the Lord all the people that was bothering me how bad it was, how difficult it was to pastor this bunch of renegades. Can't make them happy, don't know what to do with them. So it got time to have my quiet time. So yesterday in my reading through the Bible, I was supposed to read the book of James. Y'all know how the book of James starts? Count it all joy when you fall in the various trials you'll faith. I read through that. He said, back up and read that one more time. Count it all joy. <laughs> oh, Lord. I didn't want to count it joy. Hey, church, can I just tell you something? I I repented. And I want you to know I love you today. I love you. Those that have left, I love you. Those that ain't coming back, I love you. Those that have stuck, I love you. Grateful to God for you. And if you're spirit-filled, you've got to love me. You don't have no choice. What the book said. How they gonna know we're followers of Jesus, we don't love one another. I got in trouble with a capital T. And God said to Moses, I'll be with you in the trouble. Amen. I I needed that yesterday. I really did. big is hard. These has been a hard days. I'm telling you, it's been a hard. Any pastor, it's been. A, but I'm telling you, it's not been as hard on pastors. It's been on nurses. It's not been as hard on pastors. It's been on hospital administrators, doctors, insurance people. You just get cussed from both sides of the street. Well, I decided I don't give a rip what you think. My job's not to make you happy. My job is to preach the Word of God, to remain faithful to God, to love you with all my soul, and try to lead us through the wilderness to the promised land where God wants us to go. Now, don't feel sorry for me. This church takes great care of me. Nobody hadn't shot me yet. Uh, any preacher hadn't been cussed is not preaching. Not in this culture. Man, the only guy that makes everybody happy is the minister of music. Everybody loves the music. <laughs> you, preach the, you, you preach this book, you get in trouble. You try to lead and love, you don't do enough. I'm not going to do too much. I'll be with you. And, church, I want to thank you. Thank you for loving God and for loving me. I love you, I do, I love you all my soul, I do, I love you all my heart. I don't do it right every time, never claim to. I'm going to do it best to know how and and walk forward and do what God tells us to be about. And God says he's going to be with us. Even we're in trouble with the capital T. You know, number five, he said, I'll rescue him and honor him. He did that for Moses. He 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 was born and they put him out there in the bull rushes, and, and God honored him and he rescued him. Hallelujah, he did. He brought him right out of there, and he's huh, the Pharaoh's daughter wanted him and got him, and then his sister got him and gave. Moses to his own mother and the government paid the child care for Moses and then she came got him and then educated him in the halls of Egypt's great learning and God rescued him and honored him but before he got his education down in Egypt from Pharaoh he got an education from his mama and she taught him the things of God so that when that bush lit up he knew that God was in the land. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He will rescue us, and He will honor us. Number six, He said, I will satisfy Him with a long life. He tells us that in verse 16. Deuteronomy 34 says that Moses had lived 40 years, then he'd lived another 40 years, and then he lived a third 40 years at 120. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 34 that Moses died at 120, and His eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. I've shared with you before, if this were not a mixed crowd, I'd tell you what the Hebrew literally means by his vigor was not abated. But this is a mixed crowd, so you go do your own Hebrew homework. Moses was strong when he died. The key is not how long you live. The key to this promise is I will satisfy him with a long life. Whether you're in your first 40 years, your second 40 years, or your third 40 years, you find the satisfaction of God within your soul. And he gives you longevity of life. And it's the promise of God. And then number seven is I will let him see my salvation. This word in the Hebrew is a great word, salvation. It can literally mean of the soul or deliverance or or, or set free. Uh, I will let him see my salvation. Exodus 14 and verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Do not fear. They're backed up against the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are coming. Moses said, don't, don't fear. Stand by and see the salvation. There it is. I'll let them see the salvation, my salvation. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today, for the Egyptians whom you have seen this day. You're never going to see them again. Why? Because they're going to be at the bottom of this water. Friends, we're in a mess today, and what we need to do is see the salvation of God. We don't need to know what you think or I think. We need to see the salvation and the deliverance of Almighty God. For our souls are in trouble, our churches are in trouble, our nations are in trouble. We need to see the salvation of holy God. Well, those are the seven promises that he makes. I'll deliver. I'll set him securely. I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him. I'll honor him. I'll satisfy him with a long life, and he will see my salvation. How do you claim those things? How, how do you appropriate? What are the three keys for receiving? that? It's found right here in the text. There are three simple things. Just take a moment. I want you to see this with me today. One, two, three, and see them right here with me today. What is it that we do so that these promises become ours? How do we put the address of our own life of these promises on our heart and soul three things he simply says number one they're very simple number one you love God number two you know God number three you ask God number one you love God notice in verse 14 here the qualifier because there's the qualifier because he has loved me let me ask you dear friend You're seated in the balcony around, all the way around in that great balcony, way up to the top. Let me ask you on this ground floor. Let me ask you this. Do you love God more than life? Do you love God more than anything else in this world? Is he first place in your life? Do you love him above all? Jesus said it in Matthew 22, 37, 38. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. We know the second is that we're going to go and love our neighbors as ourselves. But the very first one is we're to love God with all our heart, with all our soul. Do you remember in John 21? The disciples are there on the beach. Jesus comes ashore. He finds Simon Peter. And he asked him those three penetrating questions. Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? There have been whole books written on that word these. More than these. More, what are these? Some people think it's more than all the other disciples. I don't agree with that. I don't think he's pitting one disciple against another. I don't think he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than John and James? Peter just got out of a fishing boat. I think he's asking, do you love me more in your recreation? Do you love me more in your vocation? That's what I think he's asking. Him. Do you love me more in your checkbook? Hmm. Do you love me more in your relationships? Do do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you you know I love you. I I do. He said, Peter, let me ask you something else. Do you love me? He said, well, yes. He said, let me ask you one more thing. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Ask him three times. Now most people think because he denied him three times, he made him confess three times. And then he said, if you love me, tend my sheep, care for my life. Listen to me, church, listen to me. If you tell me you love God and you don't love the people in this church family fellowship, you've lied to yourself and you've lied to God. Because if you love the Father, you will tend the sheep. Now sometimes they need a little shearing, But they always need oil on their head. And they always need help. If you love him, you'll tend the sheep. But the question first and foremost is, do you love God? And do you love him more than anything? First place, second place, third place. More than your recreation, your vocation? Mm. More than your family? Yes, sir. You love him more than your spouse? You got to love him. You love him more than your family? Your kids? Hmm. Let me tell you when you get married and you come down this aisle, do you, do you? I do, I do. Some guy is going to walk down and say, who gives this woman? And he's going to say, oh, hallelujah. I'm ready for her to get her hand out of my pocket and in his hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you know when you say yes that you don't know everything about this person you're marrying when you hitch up? I mean, Liz and I, we got married in 76. There's still stuff I'm finding out. Amen. <laughs> hey 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 There's still stuff she's finding out. Hey mm hmm. Hey, this week, we're going to Gunnersville, Alabama. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach a 50th anniversary meeting of the Creek Path Baptist Church where her father, that I've never met, he was dead and gone when I met her, he was one of the two deacons that started this church, and they invited me to come preach the 50th anniversary uh, service for the Creek Path Church. I'm about to find out some stuff about my wife I didn't know. I'm going ears open with a pen in my hand, But on Friday, before that, I've been invited to come to Pisgah High School, where I graduated 50 years ago. I've been invited to come to Pisgah High School this coming Friday and speak at a public high school at a convocation for all the 7th through 12th graders. They're going to put them all in one room and let me talk to them. I I ain't letting my wife go up there with me. There'll be, there'll be people there tell stuff about me. She ain't got any business knowing, amen, in Jesus' name. She goes, she find out stuff. Now, I'm forgiven of all of that. Covered under the blood. Mm. But some of it's still in me. Listen to me. You can't just say, I love God one time and it's all over. I'm telling you, you get to, you you walk with him and talk with him day by day, season by season. Every 40 years of your life, there are new agendas and new issues to conquer. You got to love God. Secondly, you, you got to know God. Look at it in verse 14. I will set him securely on high because, there's the qualifier, because he's known my name. Amen. See, you, you don't just love God. Then you got to know God. You, he, he is the most high. He is the almighty. He is my refuge. He is my God. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians 2, verses 9, 10, 11. You, you know these verses. You've been reading the Bible very long. For this reason, God highly exalted and bestowed on him a name. It's above every name. The name of Jesus every knee will bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. He's given him a name. It's a name. It's above every name. It is the name of Jesus. You need to get to know God. Some of you in this room today, you've never been saved. You've never asked Jesus to save. You need to get saved today. Some of you have never come to lordship with Christ and to know him, you need to know him and you need to bow the knee, bow the knee Friend, if you don't confess him here, you will confess him there. Oh, this whole world needs to bow. Mm, How do we know the promises of God? We love God. Then we know God. And then thirdly, we ask God. Look at it in verse 15. He will, because he will call on me, I'll answer him. Then I'll be with him in trouble. I will rescue. We need to learn to call on the name of the Lord. Prayerless churches are powerless churches. God help us, we need to learn to pray. This morning, I knew I was going to conclude here. I came in at 20 after 9 to the early service, and I knelt down right here and I said, Anybody want to come pray with the pastor? And oh, they came, they came. We filled up this altar area, and we dedicated the day to the Lord. We, we just gave it unto him. I believe the hand of God's been been on everything we've done in this room today because we ask Him to come. We prayed in an open way. Some of you are online with us today and you've never called on Him. I I pray you'd call on Him. If you call on Him, then text us at 94,000. Just send me that word, Savior. We'd love to get to know you and reach back to you. If you're there and need to be a part of us, then let us know that. If you're in this room today, There's some prayers we need to pray. Some of you need to pray and ask Jesus to save you. Some of you got sin in your life. You need to repent. Some of you got all against your brother or sister. You don't need to come this way. You need to go that way. Say, forgive me. I'm sorry. Some of you need to say, Lord, I take my hands off my life, and I say, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll go. ever called on him some of you know that it is uh, my habit my uh, oh my daughter tells me that uh, it's what I do for recreation now but I go often when Alabama's playing football on their campus and I go there, and I did this weekend, it is my habit when I am on that campus on a Friday when I go up to spend the night and then go to the game, on Saturday I walk that campus, and halfway through my walk I walk up about 15 or 20 steps to the very doorway of the old Hannah Law Building on the campus, it's not the law building anymore, some guy gave a bunch of money, they have a new one, but it's the sign, is this old Hannah Law Building right across from the quad. And I go and I sit on those steps, and I pray for revival. I started doing this when my son Bennett was in law school. I sat on the law school steps at Alabama, praying for him at Liberty. I prayed him through law school right there. I prayed other times, but I prayed on those steps. Mm-hmm. And then I've been praying on those steps now for before he went to law school and after. I, and I pray for revival. I pray for God to raise up a young preacher either on back campus and then I name all the campuses in the Southeastern Conference. I said, Lord, I don't care where they come from. Just just raise up a preacher or raise up a small group. Raise up somebody to be the catalyst to to, to shake America and bring us back. I see so many drunk kids and never. But let me tell you, on every campus, there are pockets, there are pockets of kids that love Jesus with all of their heart. They're there. Campus Crusade, FCA, church Bible study. Nobody knows about them, but but they're there. And I I, I just... I just water those seeds, and I pray, oh, God, raise them. Either here, Lord, do it at West Florida. Maybe it's West Florida you're going to do it. Maybe you raise up a preacher at the University of West Florida that'll touch America with the gospel. Every time we stand at that football game and they play the national anthem, I stand put my hand across my heart, and everybody else sings. I don't sing a word. I pray. I pray for revival. I just pray, oh, God, come. I've been doing that for years. A few years ago, I'm sitting there by myself, all these people walking, and there's a sweet black lady who is is a traffic control lady at that intersection right there. And I finished one day, and I got up, and I walked by, and she, she stopped. She said, sir, can I ask you a question? I said, well, yes, ma'am. She said, I see you come up here, and you sit up there on those steps. Well, what are you doing up there? I said, well, I'm praying for revival. I said, are you a saved woman? She said, I am. I said, are you a praying woman? She said, yes, sir. She said, can I be your prayer partner? So I go sit on the step. She directs traffic, but we pray for revival. She doesn't get out of her chair, but she high-fives me when I walk by. She's not always there, but when she's there, she prays with me. Hmm. Church, listen to me. We're done. There ain't no fixing this. You can't fix you, you can't fix the church, you can't fix the culture. But God can fix it if he can ever get his people to repent of their own sin and call out unto him, turn from their wicked ways, and come running to him, I'm telling you, God do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. He's looking for a church to pray. Can Olive be that place? Can we be that place that that we cry out to God? We don't have to even come together. This at your house, your house, your house, your house. You, You see, friend, it's not the church house that makes the difference. It's the prayer closet at your house that makes the difference we got to learn to watch and pray. And if we'll love God, and if we'll know God, and if we'll ask God, He's ready to come in waves of glory. This morning when we sing this invitation, out of that balcony around, somebody come. Do you see that last guy that we baptized? He came during the first service. He came walking forward, grabbed me by the. He said, "Pastor, I'm gonna be baptized at 11 o'clock," and he gave me his testimony right here, told me how he's a churchman, he'd been to church. But he said, "I don't have things where they're supposed to be." He said, "I just, I'm ready to give my life totally to Christ, get my baptism where it's supposed to be." He came right out of the early service into the baptistry. That's how you're supposed to obey God: immediately, do what God calls you to do. You're here without Christ. Come. You're here without a church. Come, sweet elderly couple came this morning. And said we're going to be joining your church here in just a few weeks. We're moving here up in Tennessee. They told me, John, they're coming to move here and said our pastor told us that's the church you ought to look at first. And uh, they they came and said we're we're coming and we're going to be a part and just want you to know we we're, we're ready. When we get down here in a few weeks, probably about Thanksgiving. We'll come join your church. Maybe you're here today and you ought to do that. You ought to. Come, Then come. Reach over and grab her hand. Say, Lord, we're going. We're going today and she'll come with you. Maybe you're all by yourself. You step out. You come. Maybe you're just carrying that burden today. You come lay it on this altar. When I say amen, let's meet with the master. Father, give us a desire to honor you. Lord, the struggle in a soul that's in this room right now, God, draw them up to yourself. Add to the church, add to the kingdom, and make us one around the cross, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.